Good morning. How are you this morning? Pretty good? Pretty good? Hello. Who do I have here? Go ahead. It's Winnie the Pooh. No, it's Moses. But it's Winnie the Pooh just playing at being Moses, okay? What does he have over his head? What is it? It's a cloth, yeah. It's, it's uh, in our lesson, it's called a veil, just a cloth. Originally, I had planned to come out with this over my head. And I thought, one misstep and I'm going to be on my face and there'll be blood and it'll just be gross. So Winnie the Pooh gets to wear the, wear the veil today. But in our lesson, and this is about an Old Testament story, uh, Moses was going up onto Mount Sinai to go up and get the law, and then he would come back down. Then he'd go up and get more of the law, and then come back down. And he'd go up and got the whole book of Leviticus, and he came back down. And each time uh, uh, Moses would go up there to, to stand before God, the glory of God began to affect Moses. And his face began to glow brightly. And when he would come down the mountain, the people were... I mean, scared by that. And then the people would notice that it would fade after a while. And Moses was concerned that they would think that it was God's glory that was fading, when really it was only his reflection of God's glory that was fading. So he started wearing a bag over his head, or a veil, or a cloth, or a goatskin, or something. I don't know what it was exactly. Um, just so that people wouldn't get the wrong idea. And in our lesson, the Apostle Paul is going to make a different application of that. But it's a little bit like, have you ever had, oh, maybe you haven't. But I know that I've given a haircut that was so bad that my brother had to wear a baseball cap for a whole month until the hair kind of grew back again. And, uh, or maybe he gave that to his brother. Anyway, uh, it, was, uh, it was traumatic for one of us. And also, you ever had like an owie that was bad enough that you had to wear a Band-Aid? Everybody had a Band-Aid on at one point? Yeah, why do you wear a Band-Aid? Why do you wear a Band-Aid? Because you're hurt. And because the Band-Aid covers up the hurt, right? But it has two, re there are two effects. The Band-Aid keeps your hurt um, so that it starts to heal, right? But the Band-Aid also helps everybody else. Because you don't necessarily want to see the terrible gash on the side of my head and all the blood coming out, right? You'd rather I wore a Band-Aid, right? Rather than show that. And that's what a Band-Aid does. It helps everybody else to be able to look at you without worrying about how hurt you are. And it just kind of covers it up and everything seems more typical or normal, right? And that was what Moses was worried about. That we would worry not so much about the glory that was fading or something that was wrong, but that we would listen to the Word of God. Can we pray about that? Fold your hands and we'll all pray about that. Heavenly Father, we want to listen to your Word and hear what you have to say uh, to us in your Word and to be able to, to understand it, which means that we want to see Jesus. And uh, the bandage or the veil that Moses wore was because people were maybe going to misunderstand some of his word and he just wanted them to be able to see Jesus with what he said. So help us focus on Jesus and Jesus alone. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Word of God for meditation on this Transfiguration Sunday is the New Testament epistle lesson for this weekend, 2 Corinthians, beginning in chapter 3 at verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. This is the Word of the Lord. The two great teachings of the Scriptures are law and gospel. And the law and the gospel have two completely different uses and two completely different effects. And both Paul and Moses illustrate this in the Bible with this account of the veil of Moses. As I told the children, as the veil, or rather as Moses was receiving the law from God, he would go up onto Mount Sinai. He came down first with the Ten Commandments, then went back up again because he smashed them in his uh, outrage and, and amazement when they were breaking the law already. But then he went up and came down with, with many more laws. The second half of the book of Exodus, all of the book of Leviticus, and a few things in the beginning of the book of Numbers, which then continues the story of the Exodus. But all of these things Moses brought down, and each time he came down and came down and came down, he had been in the presence of God. The Lord himself says that he, he talked with Moses face to face, and Moses' face began to glow, reflecting the glory of the Lord. But as, as this glory would fade after a while, as he was back down in the camp with his wife and children and brother and sister and the other Israelites, Moses took to wearing a veil so that the Israelites would not see what they thought of as the glory of God fading from him when it was just the reflection of that glory and not the glory itself. Well, now Paul uses the same incident to say that for the Israelites, the veil of Moses is still there whenever the Israelites hear Moses or anything else in the Old Testament scriptures being read. The glory of God is covered up so that they're missing some of it. In fact, they're missing almost all of it. They do not notice that the glory of the Old Covenant has 
passed away. That's because the New Covenant, the New Testament, has come. The veil is taken away, Paul says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord. Now, turning to the Lord is not a call to obedience, like turn to the Lord by doing this and doing that. It's really a description of coming to faith. So let's set the idea of obedience aside for a moment. Let's just leave it alone, and we'll come back to it a little bit later, because it's not as if obedience has no place in the life of the Christian, but it's because it is so often misplaced by so many. What exactly is the Old Covenant? Well, it's the law, the law of Moses. And if we fully understand the law, that is, the, 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 this law of Moses, then we see that it does nothing less in our lives than expose our sin and remind us of our sinfulness. Even if in our generation there would be a man who might appear who for some reason was, was gifted and able to keep God's law perfectly and seemingly without any mistakes at all, he would still need to beg for God's forgiveness because he would still be stained with original sin. And therefore, nothing that he did, even though it might seem to us to be perfect, would be worthless in God's sight. And since we're not capable of keeping any of God's requirements and, and will perfectly, then what are we left with? What is the law for us? The law is a book of mirrors. Page after page of mirrors. This page shows me my sins of coveting, and this page shows me my sins of lying, and that page shows us the sins of adultery, and that other page shows us sins of, what, cursing and wishing evil on other people. And every single page, without exception, shows us the sin of idolatry. The sin whereby each one of us puts ourselves, our opinions, above God, above God's Word, above God's law, and even above God's holy gospel. This is why each of us needs something other than the law, something more than the law, something that will make me righteous, something that will save me. Well, now let's take a look at that veil that Moses put over his head. <coughs> Those who misunderstand the law don't see themselves in the book of mirrors. Oh, they see other people. They see other people's sins. They have no trouble recognizing me and all of my sins. And, and who could blame them? Wretched and miserable, unworthy man that I am. Certainly I am there in the book of mirrors. All of my sins are those exposed for the whole world to see and to turn away from in disgust. Of course, that's there. But those who misunderstand the law, they think that they can do what I can't. They imagine that they can keep the law, satisfy the demands of the law of God, of the will of God, with their own deeds. 
Did you know that among certain Old Testament believers, there was a tradition that um, you couldn't read certain parts of the Old Testament until you arrived at the age of 30. That until then, you were not mature enough to understand, for example, the opening and closing chapters of the prophet Ezekiel or the, the first chapters of the book of Genesis. And there were many other exclusions like that throughout the scriptures. But the, the problem is that there was no real need for any of these warnings at all. Paul points out that there was a veil over all of these things already, a total misunderstanding not just of portions of the Bible, but of the whole thing. As long as a person does not believe in Christ, he cannot understand any of the scriptures. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What is that freedom? Well, to understand what kind of freedom that is, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story about um, a group of boys I knew once uh, a long time ago. And these boys had a dream. Their dream was that, wouldn't it be great if the school would burn down? Oh, they talked about that. It was, it was just something that they were constantly thinking about. And they would think, you know what happened if the school would burn down? We would have summer vacation forever. There's a problem with that thinking. And of course, you and I know as parents that, well, if that happened, we would just bust them off to a different school. And as it happens, I happen to know that there was a, a school that was unused, but completely up-to-date and furnished that was just a couple of miles away. And our parents, their parents could certainly have, have sent them off to, to that school if, if it had been necessary. Well, uh, what they didn't realize is that the school itself it's, you know, the, the curriculum, the, the things that were taught, even the discipline that was imposed in that school gave them a much greater freedom than they would ever have had without it. The, that school is what brought most of those boys together in the first place. It gave them their friendship. It gave them their fellowship. It also brought them the the indescribable, almost unimaginable freedom of being able to read and write. It, it, it taught them the basics of, of math, of music, of science, of history, of, of social studies, even of home ec, and you know, being able to, to at least heat a pot of water or, or make tea or how to make a grilled cheese sandwich, and these are useful tools, all of them to this day. But those boys only dreamed of going backwards or of standing exactly where they will, where they were limited to what they had and knew. They didn't realize that being what they thought of as being set free from education would actually mean bondage to a life with no opportunities. Freedom in Christ is even bigger than that. It's more important even than that. The freedom we have in Christ is to be released 
from the, the old burden of the law of that book of mirrors to, to be released from the dark veil that covers the heart, to be free in Christ is to be set free so that the things that we do actually please God. An impossible freedom for anyone without faith in Christ. How could it be? How could it be that the holy, pure, sinless author of life could ever be pleased with sinners like us, sinners like me, who cannot look into the book of mirrors of the law without being condemned by every single page, every single mirror, every elegant facet of that beautifully beveled book of the law that singles us out, singles me out for judgment on account of what Paul calls those shameless and shameful and secret ways. Well, this is how the Holy Scriptures, putting faith in our hearts, lift the veil. Now, in your mind, lift it just a corner. Imagine what the, what the New Testament uncovers about Christ, no matter what portion of it you're reading, no matter what page, no matter what verse. Lift the veil just that much, and you cannot help but know and see the incarnate Christ born for us, born in our place, because all of it preaches Christ, and therefore Christ has come. The one who was just promised in the Old Testament is revealed in the New. And then we see the Savior baptized to fulfill, he says to John, to fulfill all righteousness. Right from the beginning of his ministry, he is there keeping the law in our place to fulfill the righteousness that God the Father demands. And then we see the Savior making himself obedient, never once slipping, falling, failing, making a mistake of any kind. And we see the Savior lift the veil just a little bit higher, opening all of the scriptures for us to understand in their entirety. You understand sin. You understand God's grace. You understand the resurrection of the dead. And you get all of it. You understand all of it. And now, what do we do? Tear the veil in half, like the curtain of the temple torn in two when our, and, 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 at, at Jesus' death on the cross, because his death was for our sake, for my sake, to remove the sin of the world, to transform the, the mirror book of the law into something completely different for all of us. For all who have faith in Christ, that mirror book of the law becomes a guidebook for our faith, for our lives of faith. It's no longer a book of no's, but a book of yeses. Now this is where we bring back the idea of obedience. Because obedience is not about earning something to God, meriting something from God,
But it's all about saying thank you to God for what he has done. Because in faith in Christ, we are able to obey in such a way that is acceptable to God, sinful though we are. And so now we realize that we don't earn anything from God, but we, we want to obey him out of thanks for what Christ earned for us. The victory of Jesus over sin, over death, or the, over the power of the devil covers over our imperfect attempts to live according to God's will and makes us presentable to God. Jesus makes even our sin-stained deeds acceptable, presentable, even beautiful to our Heavenly Father. Faith in Christ has transformed us into the image of Christ. And yeah, we all have a, st a long way to go in this lifetime. Even knowing that, though, he has work for us to do, and so we get to it right now. This is the work of sharing Jesus with the people around you. Husbands and wives, share the love of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the doctrines of the Holy Scripture. Parents and, and children, share the, the catechism and the elementary teachings of Christ with one another. Uh, friends, invite one another here to worship, to learn, to, to hear the teaching and to explore the depth of the doctrine of Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus has lifted the veil from our hearts forever for you and me to see God properly as our loving Father, our Savior who is our brother and our Redeemer, and the Spirit who is our, our loving, teaching, traveling companion. Now don't hide what's inside of you, the faith that's inside of you. Let it shine. Let it be there for everyone to see as if they are looking through a, a transparent window in you right to your heart, to Jesus himself. Let the world see your faith in action and the unfading glory of Jesus Christ. And let them see the veil no more. Amen. And the peace of God that transcends our understanding guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Our visitors may not know that we no longer pass the, the plate. We stopped doing that when the COVID crisis began. We might go back to it someday, but for now, no. But there are uh, uh, offering receptacles at all of the entrances. Our members know that they can bring in an offering later in the week to the office or they can... Uh, of course, mail it, or they can even uh, uh, make an offering online. But these things we remember, no, no matter what we do for the Lord, are not things we do to earn anything from Him, but to say thank you to Him. I want to share with you just one quick verse from the Apostle Paul about what we do and what we give. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful 